we'll make do best we can. Matthew chapter number 5. Just going to read three verses. Aren't y'all glad after some of these last Christmas ones where it was like multiple chapters and things like that? Just three verses here this morning. Matthew chapter number 5, beginning verse number 14. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I've struggled for the last few months thinking of a good theme for this year. I know we've got some goals, we've got some things we're really wanting to work on, but trying to just encapsulate that down into a nice, pretty little statement with a you know cute little image and stuff like that, like I like to do, it's been very difficult. Now, I've bounced this around so many different ways, and I've bounced things off Jason Mann and Jake and my wife and a few other ones. Like, hey, what do you think about this? You got any ideas? But what if we go along this line? I thought about words like proclaim and <clears throat> broadcast, uh, a few things like that. Uh, that was a little too on the nose, you know. But uh, the, the, but the, keep going back to a very basic idea. And I tell you, it really wasn't until the eleventh hour, uh, quite literally, pretty much. It was yesterday evening. <laughs> May not have been eleven o'clock, but it was yesterday evening. And finally, it's like, okay, you know what? This this is it. This this is it. And I settled on the theme of let your light shine. I believe we stand at a critical juncture for our church. Uh, not that I think there's bad things in store. Uh, I don't think it's a win or lose, but I, I think that there there's a trajectory that we could go off on that, that, that's going to be amazing. And I think that's where we're headed. But I think where we're at now is a, a moment of decision. How are we going to move forward? Um, it's it's not that who we are or what we're doing is is wrong or needs fixing or, or correcting necessarily. Uh, uh, if anything, I'll tell you the truth, I'm ready to double down on some stuff. But our challenge is this. How do we move forward? How do we ensure that Faith Baptist Church will be strong and will continue on for years and decades to come? How do we ensure that there is a next generation that we will pass the baton to, that they're ready to carry on and continue and move forward in the cause of Christ? We're going to be aggressive this year. And by the way, that is absolutely not in my nature. If you know me, I am not aggressive. If anybody, Jake's played chess when he's beat me a few times too. Uh, but uh, if you play chess with me or most games like that, I like to set up a good defense. I'm I'm very cautious. I wait for my chance and then I attack. But I, I'm not just all out offense. Anytime I play a game or something like that, I'm I'm very methodical. I'm very I want to make sure I've got my base and everything set up, protect my king, and then then I'll go after you. But that that's just that's my strategy in a lot of things. That's my nature. Uh, but uh, but we're going to be aggressive. We've got Jake back. I'm excited about that. Uh, we are actively seeking a youth pastor. We've uh, kind of filled out a few people, and a couple of those didn't really work out, but uh, we are actively seeking. So we'll do, do it. Yeah, because I want somebody working with youth. I want to free up Jake so he can work more 
kind of over the whole thing, but really go for families. That, that's the goal. Teens don't build a church. Kids don't build a church. Families build a church. So that's kind of the goal that we have for him. We've talked some about that. We're going to do some new things this year. I got some stuff. I'm already trying to warn you. Uh, I want to do some marriage retreats, couples retreats, uh, the uh, maybe men's ladies retreats. Uh, we want to try to do some more activities around here. The, we're talking about like the Valentine's banquet, stuff like that. I, I, we want to move forward. I hope nobody gets whiplash. I already feel like I'm getting some. But uh, we're, we're, we're going to move forward, and it's time to move forward. How do we do that? The more I've contemplated, prayed, considered, how do we do this? I keep coming back to some very basic ideas. And I think the principle of shining our light is key. See, a lot of times we get wrapped up in what we want. Well, what do we want? Well, we want a big church. Okay, well, I don't necessarily want a big church. Y'all are enough of a headache as it's not. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't necessarily want a big church. But okay, well, if you say that's my goal, well, how do we get there? Well, too often times we set a goal and we don't look at what the Bible says how to get there. And here's what the Bible says, by the way. The Bible never says go build a big church. It never does. I think this right here is what it tells us to do. It tells us to be the light. It tells us to let our light shine. It goes against a lot of modern theory, but it's simple faithfulness. It's living a faithful life. It's living a committed life. I think that is shining a light. You know what it is? It's being real. It's being authentic. It's a, there's a buzzword again. But it's, that's what shining a light is. By the way, and we'll get into this, but the kind of light that, that's being spoken about here, especially when you get down there, into uh, verse 15. The, 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 these are small little oil lamps. In fact, the little picture I put together up there, I picked it on purpose when I saw it because that's what that is. It's a little clay oil lamp. And by the way, they've dug up thousands of these things. You can actually buy them fairly reasonable if you're into buying antiquities. Uh, you, you can buy these things on eBay. <clears throat> Risk fire beware on that. But uh, yeah, there, there is the, these things, a lot of times they're just like a little clay bowl and they kind of fold up and mold the edges, and they'll fold this little part over and kind of make it. It's really not as fancy as like an Aladdin's like like lamp, but these little simple clay uh, lights, and then you fill that up with oil, and you put a little wick there, and sometimes it's just an open bowl with a wick. They're, they're going to be very simple, and then you light that little wick. And by the way, if some of y'all remember the days before you flipped the switch and turned the light on when you had the kerosene lights and or lamps and things like that, those things don't put out a lot of light. They really don't. Uh, it's, it's just a little bit of light. It's, just, it's a very personal light. So that's what I'm going to talk about a little bit here because I think that's, that's a pretty, uh, pretty important idea when we're talking about this. This isn't a mag light flashlight. You get those big old mag lights that have like 56 D batteries in them. That's an exaggeration, but still, you get one of those things, you flip it on, and boy, I mean, it'll blind you. It's not like bright lights on, on, a, on a car. It's not even like a, a lighthouse. Honestly, what is it? It's just a, a little light. We've seen the little course, just a little light. I mean, that, that, that's what this is. It's just a simple flickering light. That's what we are, and I think that tell, speaks a lot to what, we, uh, to what we are to do with our Christian life. 
Now, what I'm going to do here, and I have never preached a sermon arranged this way. I don't know the term for arranging a sermon this way, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you one thing, and then I'm going to show you two things, and then I'm going to show you three things, then four things, then five things, okay? Those are my basic four, four points, or the four things, I'll close with five. Follow along, I hope it makes sense. But I want to talk about this idea of shining our light. The first thing, number one, I want us to say that there is one light. One light. When you look at the object lesson of light throughout scriptures, there's a pattern that emerges. You can miss something important, by the way, on this topic if you just read these verses in Matthew. Because just reading these you might be tempted to say that little flickering light, that little flame is us. I don't think it is. We are the bearers of the light. I don't think we are necessarily the light itself. I think the lamp represents us, that little clay earthenware. uh, I think that's symbolic, because what are we made out of? Clay, we're formed from the dust of the earth. What is the power source? Well, that little lamp just doesn't light up on its own. It's got to be filled with something. Oil. What's that a picture of in Scripture? That's the Spirit. Then there's the wick. And by the way, I think the wick is us too. I haven't got this exactly all detailed out, but I think the wick is us too. And I'm going to tell you why, because you follow this theme throughout Scriptures. The prophet Isaiah, I got Isaiah in one more week, in Isaiah 42.3, and it's also quoted in Matthew 12.20, there's a little phrase that talks about the character of our Lord's ministry. And it says, The smoking flax shall he not quench. And this is talking about those little wicks. The little wick that's in this lamp. And it's saying sometimes those little wicks don't burn right. Sometimes they just kind of flicker. Sometimes they, they smoke, but they don't actually burn in, in, with a flame. They don't really give out light. And what this talks about with, with Christ is that He'll have mercy on those that are struggling. He won't look at like, ah, you're not working right. Get rid of you. Replace you. It says He's patient. He's kind. He tenderly cares for us even when our light doesn't shine like it should. So I think the wit also talks about us. But what about the light? That, that light comes from a flame, a spark. It's an outside influence. It's not something the lamp doesn't just burst into flames. Somebody has to come along and light it. Uh, I think this talks about salvation. Most specifically, I think this is talking about Christ indwelling us. I love the phrase in Colossians 1.27. It says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in, not just Christ, but in you. 1 John 3.24 We know that He abideth in us by the Spirit which He hath given us. We could chase down a bunch more. Here's the point I'm making. We are not the light the world needs. So am I contra- No, I'm not contradicting what's said. Christ said in John 8.12 I am the light of the world. He that falls me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of light. Or light of life. I think when we're talking about the examples of these little lamps that's being used, that flame, that light, that's not us. I think that's Christ. The light that's shining is not Matthew Gage. The light that's shining 
is an Olin blaze. That works, blaze and flame. The light that shines is Christ shining through us. I think that's what this is talking about. God has taken the worthless, lifeless pieces of clay that we are. He's filled us with His Spirit. He's primed and prepped us uh, as wicks. And then He has flamed our hearts with His love and His life. The light we shine is not ourselves. It is the glorious image, the glory of our Savior. So when we talk about the light, this isn't just a multitude of lights and everybody... There's one light that's shining from a bunch of different sources. We are all shining the light of Christ, by extension, the light of the gospel. That's one. Now I want to look at two things. Now I want to point this out. Uh, it's actually two or more. I cheated, okay? I want to point this out to you in this scripture. Because we have a terrible and dangerous tendency to take a scripture and make it about us. Make it very singular uh, and apply it directly to us. And sometimes the scripture is not talking about us. Oh, you can always learn from it, but it may not be a command directly to us. The example I, I like to use is Jeremiah 29.11. You see this, you can buy mugs and t-shirts and all kinds of stuff. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expectancy. Oh, God wants to bless you. Look, Jeremiah 29, 11, He's got plans. He's going to bless you. It's a great verse, but it's not about us. Do I think God wants to bless us? Yes, but that verse is not about us. If you go read the previous verse, it's about the Jews. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return. So it's talking about the Jews coming back from Babylon that God's not through with them after judgment. They're going to come back in the land and God's going to bless them again. That's the message of Jeremiah 29, 11. It's not about us. Now, Matthew 5, 14. I want you to note here. The first word is ye. This is second person plural, if you're a grammar nerd. That's what this is. It's second person plural. Our modern English, by the way, does not have a good way to differentiate between second person. Let's say I, that's, that's first person. Uh, but when I talk second person, I'm talking to you. Now, when I said you, did I mean you singular or did I mean you as a group? Modern English lacks a way to differentiate between those. By the way, Texans fix that. We say y'all. We are smarter than all these English professors out there because we fix that problem that's out there. Okay, King James English preserves this because in the older English, this is preserved. You is singular, ye is plural. Okay, so it's actually preserved here for us. Ye is not singular, it's collective. It is speaking to those who hear and obey Christ. You have the spark of eternal life we just spoke about. That's who we're talking. We're talking to believers as a group, I believe. By the way, how do I know it's collective? You keep on going in that same verse. A city, is a city singular or is it plural? Say, so, well, it's one city, but what's a city? It's made up of a whole bunch of people. I think that this points to Christ isn't just saying, you as an individual, you get your light to shine. 
I think he's talking to the group of believers here, saying, you all need to work together, and you need to let your lights shine. There's a personal application to that, yes, but I think more importantly here, he's talking collectively to the group. Because it's important because you say, well, how can I be the light to the entire world? How can I be a city on a hill that can't be hid? The answer is, I can't. I can't do that on my own. I'm just one little clay lamp. If I were to go up here, you turn off all the electricity in Wise County, and I were to climb up on top of the courthouse with a little oil lamp like that, nobody's going to see that. But I'm going to tell you, and I thought about this. Those of you who were here at our uh, Christmas Eve service, we turned off all the lights, and I put the words of the hymns up there, and I put that dark background. I mean, it wasn't very. We turned off all those lights. And I'm going to tell you something, it was actually kind of bright in here. It actually surprised me, honestly, how bright it was in here. Why? Because we had all these candles going. One candle on its own doesn't give a lot of, of power, but you combine that and you multiply it, it makes an effect. It changes things. It multiplies the effort. We we do well to stop trying to light the whole world, the whole city by ourselves, and instead work together as a church family for the glory of God. We can do so much more together than we can on our own. That's how great things are accomplished in the Lord's work. Lots of little lights working together. Number three, I want to show you three stages to this. There's three words I'm going to point out to you in verses 14 and 15. First off, I want you to see the word world. That's big. That's big. The world's big. It's, it's huge. There's billions of people in this world. It's, it's huge. You can think of the planet or all humanity. Then you see in verse 14, you see a city. Well, that's a little bit more manageable. That's a collection of people in one locality. I mean, that's, that's smaller than the world. Uh, in fact, you could say the world's made up of a whole bunch of cities, if you, if you really want to expand all this stuff out. But then in verse 15, what do you see? You see a house. We've gone from something huge. It's kind of like if you had one of those real powerful NASA telescopes, and you're looking out the earth, you see the whole world and then you zoom in to, you know, like to, on the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and you kind of see the whole thing, and you keep zooming in until it's like Google Streets, uh, Street View, Google Maps, and you get down there, and you, you pull in and you see your house. There's a huge difference in perspective that we see here. Which of these, if we are lamps, which of these can we light? By itself, a single lamp won't light a world or a city but it will light a single room of a simple house. When you get into verse 15, what Christ is describing is the common, simple life of the average Jewish person. They didn't have multi-roomed homes. Most of their homes, they would dwell in just one space. That's And everybody, you didn't have your own bedroom. Our modern teenagers would love that. Everybody, uh, you know, all gathered in together. By the way, they usually slept in one bed too. Just kind of you know, to chase that down later. But um, everybody's in this one room, and what they would do, especially, I mean, the average common folk, 
they wouldn't have a whole bunch of lamps. They wouldn't have a whole bunch of oil to burn because they're just they're living paycheck to paycheck. You know, we know how that is. So what they would do oftentimes is they gather in at night. They would get out their one little lamp. They fill it with oil, put the little wick there, and they would light this little lamp. And that light would be sufficient for them to see the entire room. And what they would do, they would usually have a special holder. Either uh, there's different ways I've seen of this. Sometimes a little stand kind of in the middle of the room. Uh, I've seen them where they're hanging from the ceiling. Uh, sometimes they say even like a shelf, and they would have like some kind of like reflective deal behind it to help. You know, uh, you know, you ever you ever done that? Put a candle in front of a mirror. It really, it really helps. I mean, that light gets reflected and it shows out a lot more. Uh, but something like that. But it'd have a special place for it. I think this pictures the individual Christian here. This lamp. We shine the light of Christ where to the world. No, we shine it to the people right around us. But that one little light in a home, let's multiply that times a thousand or six thousand, say for Decatur, and you take all those lights and you combine them. Well, it goes from a little light that you might not see very far away, just this one little flickering oil lamp, but you get a thousand, six thousand, ten thousand of those things together. You know what they see from space? I like to see those deals where they, they take the pictures at night from space and all you see is all the light. It's not a good thing necessarily, but a lot of light pollution. Can't see the Milky Way hardly anymore around here. But, but, but what you do is you look down and you see that's where the cities are. You can see Dallas-Fort Worth. If you, if you dig in, you can see Decatur if you get a high enough resolution deal. Like, hey, you may not see your house, but all those lights combined make a difference that shines out. I think, by the way, the city there is kind of a picture of a local church. We, we, we gather together with these lights, our individual lights. We work together. And, how, and then we're able to shine out. How do we reach the world? It's usually not with one lamp, but it's with gathered lamps. That's where the light really multiplies and shines. The lesson here is this. We cannot do it alone. We cannot do it alone. How do you reach the world? Um, you, you can't. hate to discourage you on that. But I'm going to tell you something. When you work together as a church family, you can. You can make a profound difference to this world. I'll tell you this. I mean, listen, our missions program, I'm so very proud. I'm not supposed to be proud about things, but I'm proud of our missions program. We didn't quite hit $100,000 this year. I don't remember what the final total on all that was. We'll have all that out sometime here soon. We didn't quite hit $100,000. But how many of y'all could have get wrote a $100,000 check and given to missions this year? Anybody do that well with their uh, side business? But look at what we did as a church family. When we pulled together, we made an impact. Talking to a guy who's in here, he was looking at that, and I was telling him, I said, "Oh yeah, we, we gave away hundred thousand dollars, you know, last year." And I said, "We're we're do about that this year." So, how many you run? I said, I said oh, "You know, good day, forty. You know, really good day, fifty. You know." Uh, he says, "You got rich. Oh, we got rich people. <laughs> so, how do y'all do that?" Say what? Because we love the Lord and we want to make a difference, and every little bit adds up and it multiplies. 
I think that's one of the principles here. You got three stages, world, city, home. Work on your home, be the light, gather into a city of a group of believers and look at the impact you can make. By the way, there's point this out too. Can you hide a world? You really can't hide a world. It's out there. You know. Can you hide a city? You really can't hide a city. You can hide an individual lamp. That's what it talks about putting a bushel. It says basically you get your pot and you put over it. That's also one of the importances of being together as a church family working together. It's harder to snuff out a city. Go look at all the stuff they did in World War II, the air raid things, the blackouts. And I like some of the stuff they do where they would you know, put camouflage over things and you know, hide things and stuff like that. I've always fascinated by all that. But you can't hide a city, especially if it's up on top of a hill. There's a principle there that says when we work together, we're harder to be stopped. It's harder to stop us if we're working together. The fourth thing I want us to see, and this is four steps. This is in verse 15. And I think these kind of accumulate here, and I, th- I think it's, it's, it's an important series of things here as it's talking to us. The first thing we see is let your light shine. Let your light so shine. Uh, this is, um, you say, well, how do I do that? Well, it's important. The word so there is important. It's saying, just like we just talked about, that's how you let your light shine. It references backwards. It says you let your light shine, I think, two ways. One, by not covering it up with a bushel, not hiding who you are, not hiding your faith. The second aspect of that is you don't you let your light shine when you're part of a community, when you're a city on the hill. I think both of those are referenced backwards there. Um, I like, by the way, that there's no descriptors here. He doesn't say, let your light shine boldly. Let your light shine rapidly. Let your light shine whatever. There's no adjective or adverb or anything here to this. We aren't called necessarily to be, you know, 100-watt light bulbs or uh, beacons or lighthouses or anything like that. God looks at us and says, you know what? You're human. You're a little earthen lamp. Your flame is going to flicker. Your flame is going to struggle at times. But he doesn't say, here's the standard. You be this all the time. He says, just let your light shine. I like that. That's what he asks. He doesn't give us a standard, do this, do this. He said, just let it shine. You keep working. Our light is like that of a dancing flame. It's going to flicker. It's going to flare, ups and downs. What matters most is keep it shining. Second, We have this light, we let it shine. Where do we let it shine? Before men. You'll never reap a harvest if the seed stays in the barn. You'll never reach others if you do not let your light shine. Now it says, by the way, before men. It's not hiding, it's not under a bushel, it's out, it's in the public. But this is not putting on a show. If you go to the next chapter in Matthew, Christ talks a lot about that. He starts calling out the Pharisees. Uh, 6.1 says, for instance, Take heed that you do not your alms before men, same phrase, to be seen of them. Otherwise you have no reward of your Father which said, and he says, like, if you're giving money, so everybody knows you're giving money, God says, oh, you got your reward. That's not the faithfulness that I want. And it goes on and talks about prayers and a lot of other things in that passage. What's the difference? We should serve the Lord in public, not for the public. See the distinction there? I'm serving God. I'm out where people can see me. 
but I'm not doing it so they see me. The important thing is, is that we're serving God. Who's the intended audience? If it's men, we're doing it wrong. But if men can witness our service towards God, that is the spirit of the Christian religion and the foundation of evangelism. Third, we let it shine before men. How? By our good works. How do we let our light shine? By faithful, active obedience to God and His Word. Not one of my favorite commentaries. I, I do reference it uh, time to time, but an old Methodist uh, writer named Adam Clark, I, I liked what he said on this. He says, not sufficient to have light. We must walk in the light and by the light. Our whole conduct should be a perpetual comment on the, on the doctrine we have received and a constant exemplification of its power and truth. Basically, we're a walking, talking theology book, a display of the truth that we have. Fourth, we let our light shine before men by our good works so that God is glorified. You have to make sure the goal is correct. It's not just the, the focus isn't on the light. The focus is not on the light. It's not about shining our lights. It's not about how brightly we shine or if we shine better than others. It's not about how many men see our light. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's really not even in there. The goal for a Christian should be to bring God all the glory we can. We make Him the target. When I was, at, uh, when I was working in the oil field, working at Baker Petrolite, they uh, they had us go through a deal uh, a driving school Smith driving school and uh, learn it's it's pretty good pretty good uh, you learn a lot of good stuff I know we've taught some of that to me me and dad dad's been through it. we've taught some of that to the boys like hey here's some tips some good tips one of their things and this is one of the few I can remember is aim high in steering when you're driving down the road you don't look two seconds ahead four seconds ahead. You look way off down yonder and you see what's really coming up. You give yourself time to react. When we're talking about serving God, sometimes if we're not careful, we focus on things right here. Well, what, what can I do? Am I doing this? And Here's what we need to be focused on. Is He getting the glory? We need to keep our eyes on a very high level. Talk about aiming high, we need to aim on a heavenly level and see Him. Because what are we working for? We're not working to build a church. That's secondary. We're not working to have a good Christian home. That's secondary. What we are working for is that God is glorified in all that we do and all that we say. Focus on God's glory and we'll have a good direction. I close with five, five questions. As the musicians come, I'll make this brief. Five questions here. First, are you shining out God's glory and love and the gospel to those around you? Is your light shining? Make sure it's not yourself that's shining, but it's God that's shining through you. Number two, are you working with others to increase the light that goes out? We cannot do this alone. 
we have to work together. We have to form that community, that city, to be bold, to be seen, to have an impact. Third, are you shining your light in your home and in your daily life? The image he has is, is just that simple little common everyday Still almost worthless. You could buy these things. I used to a few years ago I, when I was buying coins. You, I saw you could buy these things for like 200 bucks. I mean, they're just they they found tons of them. You see them in museums and stuff, but this is actually a very affordable ancient artifact if you want to find one. Just check your provenance on it when you buy it. Okay. This is a common everyday item. This isn't anything fancy, but it's talking about in our home. We need to focus on what we have near to us, our homes, our jobs. Don't worry about necessarily what's going on over there. By the way, let me tell you this. This is a really rough year. It's an election year. There's a lot of darkness out there. There's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of despair. There's a lot of confusion. The world needs some light today. And I'm going to tell you where it starts. You be the light within your family. You be the light in your workplace. You be the light in your community. I can't affect. I, I can't affect who's elected president, but I can affect myself. I can affect my family. I can affect my church. I can affect these things. Fourth, are you focused on bringing glory to God? What is the ultimate goal? It should be bringing glory to God, and most importantly, I would ask: Are you are you saved? That's the most important question because a lamp is no good. It gives out no light unless there has been that spark. Unless it has been lit. And so it is, I believe, with us as human beings. We can be here. We can be born. But that spark of being born again, of being regenerated, that's the key. That's how we give glory to God. That's how we enter into this ministry and this work. It starts right there have you been born again with life anew if not get it settled get it settled get it settled before it's too late simple question simple message simple challenge here this morning as we embark on a new year let your light shine as a church let's let our light shine let's give God a lot of glory and accomplish some great things in His name for His glory. If you'll stand, please. What number there, Owen? 320. 320 in the Baptist hymnal for the invitation song. We'll have a short time of invitation here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for the privilege it is to serve You. We thank You that You look down on us, the simple humans we are just like a common everyday little clay lamp nothing special but you use us i'm so thankful that we have brothers and sisters in christ that we can we can, we can stand beside that our lights can magnify as we serve together lord as we embark on this new year i pray your blessings pray that we be able to shine a light in our community the lord that begins when we shine our light as a in our home it begins when we shine our light together as a church family. Lord, let us make sure that that light shines forth. There's folks out there that need it. There's folks that need the guidance. And in this year, it's, it, there's folks looking. There's folks that need the hope. 
there's folks that need to see you get past everything else and just see the glorious light of Christ. Challenge us, I pray, in these simple thoughts from a very familiar passage. Let us shine our light boldly in the coming year. Challenge us in this invitation time, I pray in thy holy name. Amen.